Coastal Carolina and BYU. It is on for Saturday. 3.30 ESPNU right now is the plan. How about that, man? We can tell you to join the big show Friday from 2 to 6 at the warehouse at 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Boom is what we're expecting from my guy Brian Keel. Brian Keel is always, he's a big boomer. He's got booms left and right. Brian, good morning. What's your first reaction? Coastal Carolina, BYU. Oh, man, it's all smiles in the Keel home this morning. <laughs> good for you. Now, you're a football guy, man. Just the idea, I think, that for BYU playing a game, I think they needed a game because, you know, they had a game a couple of weeks ago, but the starters, they didn't barely even play, right? They're out by halftime. So you really even, you can't count that as a game. And offense, maybe not so much you're a defensive guy. Maybe it's different. Correct me if I'm wrong. But offense needs to be fine-tuned. And I didn't know that you could afford to have a keep the fine-tuning of your offense by basically being off three weeks. No, it's not good. I mean, you look <clears throat> look at the NFL. A lot of times you'll see uh, teams that have the, the buy in the playoffs. They play poorly. Sometimes they lose that game, and, you know, they're a one or two seed. Um, being off for specific positions, like you said, you know, quarterback, receiver, timing, all that stuff, it, um, it's tough. It, it, you know, it, it, it throws things out of whack. And being off for, for three weeks is, I mean, yeah, nobody wants that. So they, you're exactly right. They needed a game. They needed any game. And above and beyond that, this is a fantastic game, undefeated opponent in the top 20. Um, it's going to be, I mean, this is exactly what BYU needed, exactly what the doctor ordered. Yeah, and then you throw in game day is going to be there, and that's still a big deal. You know, it won't have the quite the pageantry with the COVID situation that it's had. We've seen it. They've been to Utah multiple times. They've been down to BYU. Anytime they come to your city, plus a city like Conway, South Carolina, off the path, I mean, to me, that just adds to the excitement. And the thing about Coastal Carolina is they're sort of in the same boat as BYU. They don't have the past that BYU has and all the individual awards and the great seasons. But here recently – you know they've only moved. They moved up to this level just uh, three years ago. They're coming off two five and seven seasons. They're picked last in not just the conference but in their division. So they couldn't even get in any respect in the Sun Belt East. So you got BYU and uh, not getting the respect in the polls in terms of chip on your shoulder. They ought to call this the chip on your shoulder bowl. <laughs> Seriously, it, you're going to have two hungry teams. That's why it's such a good matchup, and like you said, you throw in game day, which is just a fun, unique experience, and it just uh, it's a great recipe. Um, I couldn't be more pleased with the administrations of both schools of, of working this out, and I mean, it's just a huge boon for, for them, and it's, it's just absolutely essential. It's just what we needed. Um, you know, obviously the the playoff committee doesn't respect our schedule. And I don't, you know, I, I, I don't respect our schedule. Our schedule is weak, but I respect our win loss record. And that speaks for itself. So um, we're absolutely ranked too low right now. So we needed this game um, and we need to get a, a win against a quality team and, you know, get us bumped back up into the top 10 where we belong. And you take a look at this team, Coastal Carolina. I saw a play earlier in the season, uh, Kansas, because at that point there wasn't a lot of games that were being broadcast, weren't a lot of games on television. 
I don't think the Pac-12 and Mountain West, I mean, Big Ten had decided they were going to come back. So figured, all right, I better take what I can get. So, you know, they look good. But my thought for you is that you, you play in the NFL, and not everybody from the NFL is from Ohio State and uh, Alabama and the like. And there are NFL guys. I don't know if they're NFL guys. I haven't studied that that good enough here. I just look at their stats. They've got impressive stats. But can you speak to the quality of football that is played off the beaten path? Because we see a number of guys all the time make it to the NFL from these places that aren't considered blue-bud powerhouses. Yeah, every every team I was on, um, you know, there's a good portion of the roster with players that come from lower tier schools. And there's a, a handful of players that come from schools you haven't even heard of. And, you know, some of these guys are just scraping by and just barely in the league. Some of these guys are dominant, absolute studs. And they came from, you know, Bo Diddley Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, recruiting is, is not a, a science, you know, it's an art and, People miss all the time. People get overlooked all the time. And every school in the country that fields a football team has some dudes on it. You know, the, di- the difference is Ohio State's got a lot of dudes. Yeah. Alabama is just has a roster full of dudes. Um, but, you know, you take a team like Coastal Carolina, you take teams from, from the Sun Belt and from the other Power Five, or excuse me, G5 conferences, and they got dudes too. They have guys that will go, They you know, they put guys in the NFL every year and um, there, there, I think there's as much parity in college football right now as there's ever been. And that makes the game just all around better. And, and that's why the, the bull that the college football committee is pulling, it just makes it that much more ridiculous. You look at every other sport and, you know, there's a true playoff. There's a chance, there's a place at the table, an opportunity. If you're legit, if you're good, you just got to win games and things will take care of itself. Nope, not college football. It's not how we operate. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely a joke. (laughs) Former BYU and NFL linebacker, and let's not forget Brighton Bengal, Brian Keel joining us. As I look at this situation for the Cougars, man, now they're in the spotlight because I don't know if it's inadvertently or indirectly, they've been getting a lot of run since the poll, the first poll, came out not this week but last week so we're well over uh over a week coming up on 10 11 days now people have been talking about byu and this game it's so funky you know because schedules are made 10 years in advance and we heard that line and now they're being made two days in advance so this is the talk of college football that they got this game so it's exciting but as a part of that it puts a lot of pressure on byu to win how do you think they handle it? How would you handle pressure in this situation? Because you're going to have a lot of eyes on this game that may not be watching literally the game, but they're going to be following the result of the game. Unprecedented times here in 2020. I mean, it's just, it's just weird. It's just so different. Like you said, 10 years in advance versus two days in advance. I can't even imagine getting a game scheduled and finding out on Wednesday night or Thursday morning who we're playing on Saturday. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, that being said, you know, be adaptable. And that's, this is the year, uh, you've got to be adaptable this year. That's not just football, but in everything in life, because life is throwing us some curveballs in 2020. And as, as human beings, we gotta, 
we got to be able to adapt. And so in terms of pressure, this is it, man. I mean, this is, this is the biggest game BYU's had at least in 20 years. Um, and you know, maybe, maybe more. I mean, this is, this game is just, it's monumental. This is, this is so huge for us and for our program and for us to get, you know, we, we're, you're exactly right. We are on the national stage and it's been a while since we've been on the national stage. It's nice to be there, but with that, you got to go, got to go put up. So we, we've, um, we've talked a big talk and, um, which I love it. And so now it's time to go show it against the nationally ranked team. That's they're not a, a perennial powerhouse program, but they're a good football team. They have some good wins on their, their schedule and they're undefeated. And so this is, I mean, this is it. This is, this is a huge game, biggest game, at least in 20 years. I want to read you some stats by the quarterback, Grayson McCall, and tell me what you think this means from a defensive perspective. A couple of things jump out at me. Touchdown passes, 20. Interceptions, only one. Sacked seven times. So that's less than once a game. From a defensive perspective, what do those numbers say to you? That tells me the quarterback's efficient, and the fact that he only has one pick is a huge uh, contributor to their win-loss record. You, you, if you don't turn the ball over, you're, you put yourself in a really, really good position to to win a game. And so the fact that they're undefeated and have low turnovers that really um, goes goes together. And then the low sack numbers that means he's efficient, gets the ball out quick, um, drives don't stall. You know, when you when you get a sack in a drive, it. You know, it really, really throws a wrench in that drive having, you know, any level of success. Um, I mean, if you think about it, you get a sack on first down, now you got second and 15 instead of second and five. If you, you get a sack on, on second down, now you got to face third and long. If you get a sack on third down, you're off the field. I mean, sacks are huge. And so, um, you know, the fact he hasn't been sacked much, he's efficient, sounds like he's a really good quarterback. I haven't seen them play, um, but, you know, that's just the, the cursory scouting report. So, Brian Keel joining us, what type of defense do you think you would employ off the top of your head? Yeah, so, I mean, BYU's, um, they've kind of had a mix this year of, of what they've been doing the last several years with the three-man rush and, and dropping eight, and they've, they, they still do that this year, but not as much as they've done it in years past. And I like it more when we rush four. I think um, drop eight has its place, but um, I, I think we use it more than we should. Um, so what, <clears throat> what they will use in this game, um, to me, if you have an efficient quarterback like that, I think that is a less uh, of an attractive defense because um, when you have an experienced quarterback, if you give him time, you can't cover forever. And if you, so, you know, you give an experienced quarterback time, he's going to find an open guy and he's going to get the ball to him. And so, you know, to me, when you have a better quarterback, you have to put pressure on him. You have to make him uncomfortable. You have to move him off his spot. And and so, you know, if I was the defensive coordinator, which I am not, I would uh, I would mix some pressure in there, more pressure, um, different looks. I would switch it up. You know, I would fake. You know, make it look like we're bringing the house, and then you know, have guys drop out. Um, you know, just mix, mix the looks up. And and the, the biggest thing you want to do is make the quarterback uncomfortable. Also, too, offensively from the receiving standpoint, they've got five guys averaging at least 14 yards of reception. 
They got one dude with 41 catches, and then a bunch of guys in the teens or 20s, and they're tight end who's got 17 receptions. But on the 17 receptions, he's averaging 25 yards per reception. And so it looks like they're spreading the ball around. What type of challenge does that present? Yeah, that, I mean, that is, those are chunks, man. Um, that's, those are big numbers. That's impressive. Um, that means they're, mo- they're throwing the ball down the field. Um, and I, what I would wonder, I wonder what, I, like I said, I haven't seen him play, so I wonder what kind of offense, you know, if it's more play action or if it's drop back. If it's play action, you know, you'll see, you'll see numbers like that. It's not as surprising, but to, to get big chunks like that and drop back is really impressive. Um, but what that means is as a defense, you know, you got to be aware of that. And um, in, in terms of, you know, getting off the field and, and, and keeping the points low, you don't, you can't give up the big one. And that's, you know, BYU has been pretty good at that this year, um, making them deke and dunk and then make them make a mistake. And usually they do and you get off the field. And so um, that's the, the formula is, you know, keep guys in front of you and don't, you don't give up the big chunk plays. Did you see Urban Meyer last Saturday on the Fox pregame show really going to bat for BYU? I didn't. I didn't see that one, but I have heard him um, both on TV and on Twitter, and I've seen. You know, he's been he's been a, a good ambassador, and you know, it's, he's obviously knows what he's talking about and has as much credibility as anybody in the game, and and that's where it's just so laughable what the college football committee has done. Um, you know, it's just, it's just, it literally, it's just laughable when you look at what the AP has, you look at the coaches pool, you look at anybody with eyes to see, and they have a certain idea. And then all of a sudden the, the committee comes out with this ranking that's just not even, I mean, just completely different. And it's just, like I said, it's laughable. So I, I appreciate Urban and, and that helps us out when guys with credibility like him, um, when they stick, stick up for us, it, it helps us out. Brian Keel joining us, former BYU NFL linebacker. So put yourself in the shoes of Kalani Sataki. The poll now, you know, you went from 14, and you didn't play uh, this past week, so you really couldn't expect a big bump, and you moved up just once. You're basically the same for the two polls that have come out. If you're the coach, football's an emotional game. How much do you bring that up, or do you just let it speak on its own? Yeah, so, I mean, every coach is different. You know, like, Bronco was not the type to um, to care what the media thought. You know, he was very, <laughs> very forward about that. Um, and, and you know, his, his was more of a thing about in-house, you know, keep it in-house and what we care about and what we think about each other. That that was his, how he operated. Kalani's obviously a very different coach. Um, and I don't know, you know, I'm not in the locker room, so I don't know exactly you know, how he has treated this attention that they're getting and, and all the, the publicity. So I don't, I don't know, I don't know firsthand, but I do know Kalani and I know his personality and I know he's the type that he does not shy away from things. And that's where, you know, he had some comments about people insinuating that he was scared to play somebody. And he was, you know, he took offense to that and, and rightly so. Cause he's like, Hey, we've been trying to play football this whole season. When everybody else was ready to pack it in, we were on the phone, you know, looking, scrounging, searching, looking for, for games. And, he, you know, we've been committed this whole time, and we're ready to play. That's his, his personality, and it has spilled over to the team this year. Um, just a mindset of, of we're not afraid, and we don't back down. And, 
you know, you look at that, that ranking, and to me, that's disrespectful. And that's how that's how I would look at it as a player and as a coach. And I hope that the the players that they they feel that disrespect because that's exactly what it is. The the pollsters in the college football p- p- committee do not respect what BYU has done this year. And the you know, as a competitor, you know what I, when when I get disrespected, I'm going to change that. And so that's the mindset I would have. And I hope the team has that same mindset and just comes out like cage tigers uh, or cage cougars. There we go. Okay. Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> so Saturday afternoon, three thirty is the game time ESPNU right now. Uh, are you going to be Christmas shopping at that time? Or what are you going to be doing that at that time? No, I'll be, I will be glued <laughs> to my TV. Um, I, you know, I love, I, I've, I've been a fan of BYU since I was five years old. Um, I just, I love watching them play and, and I love the fall. I love, I just, I love football. I love, I love all the things that are going on. And <clears throat> when your team's not playing, it's a boring weekend and there's been some boring weekends. And so it's just, I'm excited just to have a game and I've always looked forward to watching them play. And, and that's a given now, now I'll throw in that it's game day, that they're undefeated. They're playing an undefeated team. I went, when's the last time? BYU played an undefeated team while they were undefeated in the month of December. I mean, you stat people, you know, answer me that. Like, I don't, I don't know if that ever even happened. I mean, this game is just monumental. It's just, I couldn't be more excited. So you are a Cougar alum, and you're one of the uh, you know, more well-known, your local guy, obviously. Uh, how much you interact with other Cougar, former Cougar teammates that feel the same way like you do about this game? Yeah, so we um, – there's like this, this text thread of guys that I played with. There's maybe 10 guys on this text thread. And on any given day, there's upwards of a hundred texts that transpire on this text thread. I mean, it just, it's like a message board. It just lights up with all these guys and arguments and opinions and debates and everything. And, um, you know, Harvey, Harvey Unga is on the text thread. Who's obviously on the staff down there. Um, Big Soto's on the on the text thread. Who's on staff at USC? So there's coaches on the text thread. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I mean, we talk every single day, and we've been talking about this. And we've been talking we've talked about everything, and and there's you know it's just a different, it's a whole variety of of um, of opinions and personalities, and I mean, just in terms of that text thread, everybody is just pumped through the roof, just like me, and just can't wait. Super excited. Cool, Brian. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week, okay? Yep, thank you. Have a good one. All right, that's former BYU NFL and Brighton Bengal linebacker Brian Keel on his thoughts about this game. BYU, Coastal Carolina, 3.30 Saturday, ESPNU, two teams ranked, and I believe that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Yach, that uh, both these teams are ranked higher than any Pac-12 team. Yeah, USC is 20. They're the highest ranked There Pac-12 you go, right man. Now. The Pac-12, who are they? Get out of town, man. This is about the independent and the Sunbelt center stage. How about that? Stay with us. We'll get Craig Bullerjack's thoughts. He knows a lot about college football and the Jazz. He's coming up next, 97.5-1280 The Zone. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday morning, December 3rd. Things are happening in the sports world, and that is great. And no better 
guy to comment on what's happening in the sports world than Craig Bullerjack. He, a, a Utah broadcasting legend. Good morning, Mr. Bullerjack. Uh, PK, kind words, my friend. Uh, I understand DJ's off. It's you're the king of the chair, my friend. And you know what? We could do <laughs> top 20 requests all the next 20 minutes if you wanted. Probably. You know? I mean, because you own it. You own it. <laughs> It is my you world. It's your world, man. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Coastal Carolina. My time has finally come. Yes, yes, your time has come. Dick was reminding me, man, three years as an FBS team. Yeah, and ranked uh, and uh, undefeated. Uh, I mean, a mirror image of what BYU's accomplished this year. Yeah, it's funny, you know, because they're both nine and zero. Uh, scheduled called into into question both played texas state uh coastal carolina played him last week literally the last game obviously byu was earlier in the season and you look at the uh common uh, opponent texas state both of these guys hammered them big time texas state last week beat them uh 49 to 14. And how about this? This is pretty freaky. BYU 52 to 14. Three points off. Yeah. Yeah, the 52 14 and I'm just looking <laughs> because everyone I've been, I've done a couple radio shows around the country and it's funny cuz I I keep this handy cuz I print this out, but you know, Zach was uh I'm looking at his numbers that day. I mean, he was maybe his third lowest output. No, I think it was his third yeah, fourth I mean, still he threw for 287, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the guy has, you know, Zach's played incredibly well. Nearly 2,800 yards, PK. 26 touchdowns and two picks. Wow. But, yeah, the numbers really jump off out at you. And the other you, side of wow is and people say, well, tell me who they played. And that's always been the issue this year for I don't know, Cougar fans get tired of it. But, again, every everyone I've talked to, they keep asking me, well, you know, compare the first schedule to the second one. And I said, you know, it's hard. It's, I mean, yeah, on paper, the first schedule was this, was really impressive. And give credit to Tom Homo and the Cougars just to get a schedule to play, right? Um, and you're dealt the cards you're playing. And they're, they're undefeated, and Zach's had one hell of a year. And you can't take that away. But, again, the doubters will say, look, who you're playing. And I get that. I understand the argument, sure. And I think that's the problem, too, don't you, with uh, the voters, is that, well, tell me, you know, okay, Navy, not what they thought they were. Uh, you had to postpone Army, Troy, Louisiana Tech, okay, a Houston win on the road. And the Boise State game up there on the blue turf, you know, it was it was one-sided. So uh, the arguments, PK, will, will go on and on, right, with BYU, uh, whether or not they stay independent, should they stay independent, is it a good thing, is there a – uh, does a does a Big Twelve add another team or two? Uh, do you go back to the Mountain West? Man, it's just a constant conversation every year. So my thought on the schedule, Craig Bolajek joining us is, yeah, it's not strong. I mean, I understand that, but I think you have to look at the individual players. I think that the record, to a decent degree, is a product of the schedule. But you look at the individual players, are they good enough? Are they quality football players? And you just take Zach Wilson at the quarterback spot. Well, I'm watching a team in the NFL that is now 11-0, and and their quarterback played at Miami of Ohio. Mm -hmm. 
And a few years back, he got hurt, uh, but he played quarterback on a Super Bowl winning team. And I'm looking at Carson Wentz, and I believe he played in the Big Sky. Right. Kurt Warner, I don't even know where he played. He, did he did he play anywhere? I mean, you know, Northern Iowa Hall of Fame yeah. quarterback. Right. And he was a, an Iowa barnstormer, don't forget, in the Arena Football League. Uh, back in my early days when ESPN was trying to promote ESPN2 into a powerhouse, that's where Arena Football was, and those are some of the games I did. And I did a, I did a barnstormer game against the uh, Orlando Predators. I'll never forget it. And I was like, <laughs> this, guy's, this guy's good. He had a rifle arm. He was able to, you know, they played it on a hockey arena with artificial turf. But then again, he got his chance, right? And you know, he proved to be a Hall of Famer. It's an unbelievable story. So you called a, an arena football game with Kurt Warner as a quarterback? Yes, I did. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, now that he's he's enshrined in Canton, nobody was saying, well, look at that schedule he played in college. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Or that one he had in the arena league, you know? Um that was quite a league, actually. Uh, they had the Tampa Bay Storm and the Orlando Predators, the Detroit Drive. Remember, Danny White had the Arizona Rattlers. That oh, was yeah, a, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That was a big-time team down there. Um, and then they had the Iowa Barnstormers with Kurt Warner. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I kind of jumped around one summer with uh, Kevin Harlan, uh, who's at CBS, and he and I were doing arena football as we started um, in the business. And it was oh, uh, it was funny. fun. High scoring, man. If you had an arm and a wide receiver, you would, uh, yeah, you would, uh, you could light it up. Well, I don't know if you caught Urban Meyer. That was his point on Saturday in the Fox pregame show, and he, he talked about press and play. Yeah. And he said he's been press and play for over thirty years, and he said he spent uh, several hours one day last week looking at Cincinnati, looking at BYU, and here's a guy who wouldn't even mention BYU's name uh, when he was here for that. Uh, overnight stand practically yeah. that he that he did a, a two-season stand instead of a one-night stand and wasn't well, that the famous da- the team down south yeah right, you know and he built south. that and he got that from others when he was back east and all that sort of midwest so the point is he said he's looked at the tape and i don't know about you but when he urban meyer speaks football i listen naughty too he and John Gruden are two guys I love to hear the breakdowns. You know, when Gruden was was doing, uh, what was it, the Sunday night game? Uh, no, was it the Monday night game, I guess. I lost track. But, you know, yeah, those guys are great breakdown film guys like Belichick uh, with New England. I mean, that's what they live for. And uh, I'm with you, PK. I, I, I know you watched him, I was watching Zach play, and I like the way he rolls out, good feet. He reads defenses at a very high level for a college quarterback. And I like the way, look, he's not Patrick Mahomes at this moment, but he still has that slingshot arm where he's able to run and still release the ball and with strength. And, you know, that's those are all incredible attributes for a young quarterback, right, trying to find his way into the NFL. And I think if what Irvin Meyer said, I'm with you, uh, when you get those type of endorsements, uh, I guarantee the NFL scouts are, are watching closely too. How much pressure do you think is on the Cougars right now? Because you know, there's a lot of talk. They haven't. They've done a little bit of talk, but since the poll came out last week, a lot of folks have come to their defense. Yeah. And at the same time, if they stumble, those folks and all the other doubters are just going to jump all over them. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those opportunities, PK, where you run the table. 
I mean, the Coastal Carolina game and then the San Diego State game, uh, you can finish off, you know, perfect 11-0, and and then you can let the folks there, uh, you can sit and say, look, look what we did. Look at the numbers. I mean, Zach's going to be a 3,000-plus yard guy. Um, they're going to rush. Uh, what are they averaging? About 180 a game. Um, so they, they've put together – and what what's impressive is that Kalani was under right so much um, doubt, stress, turmoil of his own over the last couple of seasons of turning this around. And then even though you do, you still, <laughs> no matter what you do, right, you still are, you know, the, the criticism or the wonderment of who are you, how good are you, still this schedule isn't enough to prove that is my point, you know, for, for Kalani. Um because of the struggles they'd had in the past. And, you know, he was kind of a lame duck coach at this time last year. And, you know, again, he's done what he's been able to do with the schedule. And you have to, you know, praise him for, for keeping the team together, uh, through a, you know, through a really rough season of COVID-19. And I can say that for a lot of college coaches around the, around, uh, you know, college football, but, you know, look, they if they go 11 and 0, uh, you just have to let that record stand for, you know, stand, let it stand on its own. There's going to be critics. There's going to be critics. There's going to be doubters. But I think you're right about the individual play and just some of the numbers they've put up and the the, the weapons that Zach has that he's gone to multiple times and the offensive line, mind you. Uh, I think you'll, you know, you can sit there and say, hey, look, good football team. And I would love to see them put themselves uh, on the front porch of an incredible New Year's Eve type situation and play a top 10 opponent and let's settle the argument. But I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Yeah, we'd love to see it. Love to see them get as many as as good or better tests that they could possibly get going forward. Craig Bolajak joining us, switching to the Jazz. Uh, They've been doing these Zoom interviews and a lot of the stuff you would anticipate yeah. Uh, one thing that caught my ear, I guess, would be the potential of Bogdanovich not being ready. Now, he didn't rule it out, but it's a possibility as far as him not being ready for the season. What are you hearing on that? Well, yeah, I heard the same thing, and, you know, there's hope. And I think, again, what Quinn said was, or Dennis Lindsay said, too, working with Mike Elliott, um, he's the guru of, you know, how the Jazz attack rehab and whether or not the green light is given. And a lot of times, as Dennis said to us on that Zoom call, PK, was that you have to listen to the player as well, but also read through the lines if he's pushing it, if he's truly ready to go, and uh, you go from there. So there's still time. You know, you're looking at the, you know, the preseason may not be in his uh, immediate future, and that's okay. I mean, there's players trying to prove themselves on this roster and you get some extra playing time. But what you lose in just a really short season of three preseason games is him working his way back, you know, into the starting lineup. And even Donovan had said to us on one of the many Zoom calls we've all been on is that, you know, they they were able to do good things in the bubble and produce a lot of offense without Bogdanovich. And, you know, they're going to have to kind of remember he's there and, that's the thing. I mean, Donovan was a dominant offensive force right in the bubble, uh, and Bogey wasn't there. I don't know what would have happened had he been against Denver. You secure the win and move on to round two. 
I'm guessing, yeah, but Jamal Murray played lights out, and so did Jokic at times. So uh, I think, again, it's about getting him back. You know, uh, maybe they, they don't want to pressure, you know, the preseason games on him. But, you know, he's too valuable, too, um, not to get on the floor. And the Jazz need him, PK. You know that. God, the guy was a 40, what, 3, 42% three-point shooter last year and 20 plus uh, 20 points a night uh he's a big part of what they want to do big part how much you think we see like we saw first go around of gobert and favors together yeah that's going to be intriguing you know those conversations came up again in the interviews and i'm going to start with Derek because i i thought you know he handled that combo pretty good but he you know pk he knows before he signed what his role is going to be. Uh, and I think that's important because I think in, in the years in the past, it was still kind of, well, am I on a position at the four? Am I a five? And, you know, he does things differently than what Gobert does. I mean, he's got really good hands, as you know, and the Joe Ingles combo with the pocket pass, that that's a beautiful thing to watch on the pick and roll, and he's a good offensive rebounder, second-chance point guy. But I don't know the minutes. He mentioned a, n- a number, which I, I don't know if that there, there's that many minutes on a given night, 24. So does he finish games? Uh, do they go small ball sometimes? I mean, they know they've got him there in case Rudy gets into foul trouble and they can, you know, interchange. But I would think, don't you, that coming back, he gets it. He's 29. He wanted to be back. And the you know the fans are elated, but also his teammates are excited to have him back. And uh, I, I think he really has to know what his role is going to be. And if he doesn't, you know, then we're right kind of right back to where we were a couple of years ago. But I, I think he gets Rudy's dominance as a defender, but also he also understands what his role is too and what he can bring. Well, if he's a backup. Just go with the idea of a backup center, then I don't know what specifically. Assume Bogdanovich is healthy. At some point, obviously, he'll get healthy. So I could see, I don't know the entirety of the second unit, but the idea of Clarkson, Ingles, and Favors as a second unit, um, I'm in favor of that. Yeah. No, PK, if you, if you break it down that way with a sprinkle of uh, George Niang, and if you do get some minutes or contributions, uh, let's just say, let's just pick Mieoni out of the, out of the thin air, okay? Who they want to see more of and really evaluate him more. You know, he's 6'6, really long. Um, I think he's got three point ability of what I've seen in practice, but again, you got to see more minutes to judge. I mean, I think one reason why that, you know, Dante Exum was expendable and it was a, a, an incredible trade to get Jordan Clarkson in return is that they really liked the, the fight, the physicality of, of Mieoni at six, six. And that was basically the same position and the same size of athlete that Dante Dante is. So I think uh, a couple of younger guys uh, may get a shot to fill a few minutes as well on that bench. But, you know, what we know of the Jazz is still pretty much intact, uh, with except for the addition of uh, the return of, of Derek Favors, right? So money's been spent. Uh, Rudy is still not signed, and he's, there's a few weeks to go before that, that deadline hits. So the one thing, too, I mean, I get it, uh, working with an agent, PK, but at the same time, you have new ownership, 
Yeah, it's a lot of money to lay on the table, and I'm sure there's still a lot of negotiations going on of how you're going to get this done. But you don't want it to be hanging over your head for 72 games, I would think, uh, to say, well, what if, and what are you going to do in the off season? So um, I'm sure they're working hard trying to get it done. But I always say this every year, and it always stands true. I'm excited to get it going and see what the Jazz do. The West is a buzzsaw every night. And, you know, health is going to be the big issue, too, man. I uh, don't know how the COVID, uh, you know, uh, virus is going to impact the NBA. Uh, but I think you have to almost build in the fact there's going to be some games missed until a vaccine is given out. And that still will take time. So this season is going to be, uh, I tell you, a challenge, uh, I think, all the way around. What are the broadcast plans for the exhibition games? Well, as far as I know, uh, we'll be there, uh, which I'm glad. And I know that we'll still broadcast uh, at the moment from the arena, uh, looking across uh, the vastness of the Vivint Arena into a, a jumbotron. Very much the same type of broadcast that we uh, we did those 17 games during the bubble. And you know, PK, it's it's tough. It's a challenge. I think the fans, you know, understand. I, I miss it. Just the energy. I know they're going to try to blend in what 1500 fans so it's kind of like dipping your toe in the water to see how safe and how how impactful it can be but just to have some bodies there and some actual fans you know booing cheering whatever whatever it may be uh will be a, a you know for me a joy i just hope again everybody's safe they've got a plan uh to you know have separation and distancing uh but it's at least a start <clears throat> and i think about from what I've heard, of the 30 teams, I believe the number is up to 11 that are going to try to, to introduce, reintroduce fans into arenas. Um, and we'll see how that goes. But, you know, there's a, that's a starting point, right? That's a starting point. So the preseason games will be on TV? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, they haven't officially announced uh, the times, but, uh, yeah, the, the broadcasts are planned that way have not seen any regular season games or what the networks are planning but uh, the preseason schedule uh, gives us three games uh, to prepare for the regular season and um, you know officially they haven't announced it but um, that's the plan moving forward is that we uh, you know we uh, get ourselves prepared for the regular season with uh, with those three preseason games so um I'm excited to, to get going again. It's a challenge to set up there in basically a near-empty arena off a big screen. But the what I haven't done in a long time is call, quote, a home game uh, with actually players in front of me, right? Yeah. So the road games, you know, you still call it off the Jumbotron, but at home you still have – actually, <laughs> we're actually going to look at players on the floor, which is which is a, a, the next step in this process, right? Well, Craig Bullajack – Thanks for joining the PK show. Damn, that has yeah. a good ring to it. I think it's uh, probably pulling in some big ratings today. <laughs> you can do anything you want, dude. I mean, that's you know, you can sing out the commercial. You can, uh, you know, you can do anything you want, man. Jake will that's lead dangerous. you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on. All right, pal. Good talking with you. Take care. All right. That's Craig Bowler. Jack it was a big trade in the NBA uh, last night. Huge. Russell Westbrook going east to Washington and John Wall going west to the Houston Rockets. We'll hit that with somebody from Washington who covers the NBA and the Wizards. We'll do that at the top of the hour.
Uh, BYU, Coastal Carolina, the dominant story of the day. Man, I'm going to read you a tweet that really caught my eye from a national guy during the break, and we'll get to that on the other side. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Gordon, we have some breaking news from the world of college football. We've been talking about the eyeball emojis coming out of BYU. Jake Edmonds of KUTV says, I can confirm the rumors. BYU at Coastal Carolina is happening. Not that Coastal Carolina is a marquee program, but they are highly ranked this year. Other teams have benefited from playing teams ranked in that same range and have gotten a boost out of that. So we'll see if the Cougars can do likewise. Hey, they're undefeated. This is a good thing. And plus, they need to play. They need to stay on the top of of everybody's mind. The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jimmy Buffett talking Christmas. Yak trying to derail me. Sorry. <laughs> Christmas Island. I'm guessing that's somewhere it's warm. That's not the North Pole. That's the other in opposite direction. The Caribbean, as we talked about yesterday. Yes, how about that? I've been there a few times. I haven't been around the world by any stretch. Uh, the Tribune, my old stomping grounds, the watchdog, has paid for me to go to these places many times over. Very grateful for that. And so, man, I love the Caribbean and the water that's there. I also love the opportunity for BYU to play Coastal Carolina. What does it mean if they win? Well, do they get that bump? What do you think, Cougar fans, Ute fans, Aggie fans, Corner Canyon Charger fans? What do you think? Stuart Mandel, we've had him on the show, haven't we? He's been on our station many times over. Yeah, we had Stu on the show. He has a tweet he put out about a half hour ago that says, here are the stakes. If BYU wins and beats San Diego State, they will definitely make a New Year's Six. Who knows? Maybe even the committee will gasp. Move them above Georgia. If Coastal wins, they become clear next in line for the G5 auto automatic bid if Cincinnati loses. So Stuart Mandel is saying if BYU wins their next two games and they're a 10-point favorite in this game, I assume they'll be favored against San Diego State. Aztecs got a good defense, not a whole lot of offense, which is what we saw last year in that crappy game when the Cougars went down to San Diego. Jeez, I don't even remember the score. Was it 2-1? to one? Uh, It was very low scoring. If BYU wins and beats San Diego State, if they win out, they may definitely make a New Year's Six. So Brian Keel said this is the best, biggest game BYU's played in 20-some years. Well, if you say that, as far as if the Cougars win out, go 2-0 and all these in December, they will definitely make a New Year's Six Bowl game. Wow, this becomes huge. I had my doubts. But Stu, Stu Mandel. Can't call him Stu because if you call him Stu, you take the art out of his name. That's an old line from Coach, that uh, comedy with uh, Craig T. Nelson. If you see some of his other tweets, he said, can we make up BYU fans because of his comments about the Washington deal? But he also nominates, he says that Tom Homo should be AD of the year. Why are we stopping the year? I would say century. <laughs> Century's just underway, PK. That's a long time. Yeah, but irregardless, I mean, to date, maybe it could. he would be leader in the clubhouse for AD of the century. How about that? I like that. He's done a good job this year. There's no doubt about that. Tom Homo. 
AD of the year. Well, it's been interesting. It's probably been in a sense, uh, I remember when he, when he does one of his uh, media availabilities, it's probably been fun. Because it, and he's gotten. He's, I mean, there. Anytime you're winning ball games, it's fun, and to be able to come into work. Hmm, who are we going to play this week? I mean, it's certainly different. I would think that would be. I don't, maybe fun isn't the best word. A shot of adrenaline that he hasn't had uh, since he's been on the job, because he's had a tough job when they've gone independent to, to do those scheduling. And then when you get to the season, the scheduling is already done. It's a matter of winning the games, and they've haven't done that at a high enough level here in the last three years. And now this year they are, and he's been adding games and doing all this stuff. It's probably exciting is uh, maybe some of the better words. When he has his media availability, we can ask him about that. But obviously he's done a phenomenal job. All right, big trade in the NBA. What does it mean for the Western Conference? We'll get to that next. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.